In this week's update, markets stabilise after a bruising February, China sets a new growth target, the UK stock market outperforms but fails to attract companies, and where next for bonds? Well, the official start of spring brought more stable stock markets after a rough February in which much of the New Year rally was given back. Shares ended last week on a firmer footing as bond yields eased slightly despite further evidence that the global economy is recovering strongly. On both sides of the Atlantic, purchasing managers' index data showed growth. In the US, the ISM index came in at 55.1, better than expected and well above the 50 point that divides expansion and contraction. Here in Europe, the data was actually a smidge worse than forecast, but still well above the 50 mark. Equity markets chose to see the growth as a positive this time, and shares ended the week up, both on Wall Street and in the Eurozone. That contrasts with recent signs of economic strength, which have been taken as an indication that inflation will remain higher than hoped, potentially pushing interest rates higher too. The latest response is more glass half full than half empty. Rising interest rate expectations remain a concern for investors, however. At the turn of the year, the Fed was forecasting a peak of 5.1% for US rates, and the market thought it was being too hawkish. Now the futures markets are pointing to a peak of 5.4%, and the Fed is starting to look behind the curve. Bond yields last week hit their highest level since 2007. The two-year bond, which is most influenced by short-term interest rate moves, hit 4.94% and the 10-year benchmark was above 4%. That rapid shift in expectations, in a matter of weeks, took the wind out of the sails of the New Year rally and shares and even more so bonds retreated. Fixed income gave back all of its January gains. Looking at the two months as a whole though, and the strong rise in January still dominates, especially for shares. It means that year-to-date 2023 looks like the mirror image of 2022. Top of the pile in asset class terms is Bitcoin. Last year, it propped up the league table. Commodities, which last year were the clear winner, are bottom of the pile so far in 2023. Almost certainly, the rest of the year will continue to see fluctuations in the asset class leaderboard as expectations about interest rates come and go. Inflation and interest rates will remain a key driver of performance this year, with rising rate expectations providing a headwind for growth and tech stocks, while any sign of easing policy ahead could reignite demand for those former market leaders. Over in Asia, the big story of this weekend has been China's National People's Congress, at which outgoing Premier Li Keqiang set a 5% economic growth target for 2023, That's below last year's goal of 5.5%, but actually well ahead of the growth of just 3%, which was actually achieved. That was after rolling lockdowns in many of China's big cities as the battle with COVID continued before being abandoned towards the end of the year. In practice, this year's target should be relatively easy to achieve as the country emerges from the zero COVID policy. Goldman Sachs is forecasting growth of 5.5% as household consumption rises again. Other measures announced at the Congress include expanding market access to foreign investors, promoting consumption and managing risks in the fragile property market. 
Aside from the economic consequences of the annual meeting, the Congress is expected to signal the start of an important parliamentary session in which President Xi Jinping continues to consolidate his power. He's regarded by China watchers as the most powerful leader since Mao Zedong, installing loyalists to senior government posts and continuing to centralise power and reverse trends in recent decades to separate the Communist Party from the government. Closer to home in the UK, one of the key stories this week was the decision by CRH, the world's biggest building materials company, to shift its stock market listing from the UK to the US. It's the latest in a growing trend for companies to leave the London market in search of the deepest capital pool and an environment that is more rewarding of companies' growth ambitions. The UK market has been one of the better performers over the past year, thanks to its weighting towards sectors that have benefited from rising energy costs since the invasion of Ukraine. But the longer term story is of a market which has failed to attract the high growth, especially technology stocks, which have led the market higher. In addition, there's been a shift over many years among the UK market's most important investors, large pension funds, towards bonds and away from shares to better manage the balance of their assets and liabilities. This has led to a permanent discount for the UK market compared to the US, making the market less attractive to companies. From an investment perspective, the exodus is not necessarily bad news if valuations are sufficiently cheap in the UK to make prospective returns look better. And the UK could benefit if longer term, a more inflationary environment with higher interest rates produces a shift from growth to value, away from the US to other markets, and towards sectors like commodities in which the UK has a bias. That certainly looks to be a distinct possibility, with the long-term cycles in these investment styles usually counted in years rather than months. If the current market cycle were to repeat what looks like a similar trend in the late 1960s and 1970s, then the UK could turn out to be a relatively safe haven compared to the more growth-focused US market. It's worth noting that the performance of the UK market is only loosely related to the health of the UK economy. That's important because the UK faces some testing challenges, not the least of which is what happens to our housing market. House prices are struggling in an environment of steeply rising mortgage rates, which rose in the wake of last year's bungled mini-budget and have settled apparently higher for longer as inflation has proved more sticky than hoped. The impact of rising borrowing costs is being felt in all parts of the housing market, not least in the new build sector, where companies like Persimmon and Taylor Wimpy have warned that volumes could fall by as much as 40% if current trends continue. The second-hand market is also under serious pressure, with prices falling by 1.1% in February and sellers being forced to accept historically wide discounts to the asking price in order to secure buyers. Turning back to the financial markets, a key question now is where next for bonds? With yields rising so strongly this year, the very long-term trend of lower yields and so higher prices now looks to have been comprehensively broken. People have talked of the end of the long bond bull market for years, but it now looks indisputable. This doesn't mean, of course, that bonds are not attractive in the shorter term. 
With yields in excess of 4%, investors are able to find an income that's not available in most stock markets. And in due course, if rising rates succeed in slowing inflation and the economy, central banks will start to ease policy again, providing a capital gain on top of the yield. With bond yields rising and so prices falling, it's hard to persuade investors to move into fixed income. But it may well be that we look back on two-year treasuries yielding around 5% and wonder why we didn't take advantage. Please note that the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. Investors should note that the views expressed may no longer be current and may have already been acted upon. This information is not a personal recommendation for any particular investment. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to one of Fidelity's advisors or an authorised financial advisor of your choice. Overseas investments will be affected by movements in currency exchange rates and investments in emerging markets can be more volatile volatile than other more developed markets. Reference to the specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Tax treatment depends on individual circumstances and all tax rules may change in the future. Withdrawals from a pension product may not be possible until you reach age 55, 57 from 2028. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. No statements or representations made in this podcast are legally binding on Fidelity or the recipient. This podcast is meant only for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or a solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation.